This evening we're reading from the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Jnana Yoga, text 32. Please repeat. Atma Pamyena Sarvatadanta Swami Shiva Prabhupada Ki Jai. He is a perfect yogi who, by comparison to his own self, sees the true equality of all beings in both their happiness and their distress, O Arjuna. Report. One who is Krishna conscious is a perfect yogi. He is aware of everyone's happiness and distress by dint of his own personal experience. The cause of the distress of a living entity is forgetfulness of his relationship with God. And the cause of happiness is knowing Krishna to be the supreme enjoyer of all the activities of the human being, the proprietor of all lands and planets, and the sincerest friend of all living entities. The perfect yogi knows that the living being who is conditioned by the modes of material nature is subjected to the threefold material miseries due, forget, uh, due to forgetfulness of his relationship with Krishna. And because one in Krishna consciousness is happy, he tries to distribute the knowledge of Krishna everywhere. Since the perfect yogi tries to broadcast the importance of becoming Krishna conscious. He is the best philanthropist in the world and he is the dearest servitor of the Lord. In other words, the devotee of the Lord always looks to the welfare of all living entities. And in this way, he is actually the friend of everyone. He is the best yogi because he does not desire perfection in yoga for his personal benefit, but tries for others also. He does not envy his fellow living entities. Here is a contrast between a pure devotee of the Lord and a yogi interested only in his personal elevation. The yogi who has withdrawn to a secluded place in order to meditate perfectly may not be as perfect as a devotee who is trying his best to turn every man towards Krishna consciousness. Sukham va yadiva dukham sa yogi paramomataha. He is a perfect yogi who, by comparison to his own self, sees the true equality of all beings in both their happiness and their distress, O Arjuna. Mukham karoti bachal bhagam langayate grim yat kripataram mande sri gurundinutadam. This morning, in the purport to the Srimad Bhagavatam verse, there was a sentence in which Srila Prabhupada said that one who knows the happiness and the distress of the living being uh, above material activities he is called Sattva Buddhi this means his intelligence is situated in pure goodness so actually no one asked a question about this. I thought <coughs> I thought it was a, a rather profound point which we might want to consider more deeply. So this is actually, this verse and purport from Bhagavad Gita will help us understand the meaning of sattva buddhi. When the intelligence has become freed from absorption in mundane affairs, then the intelligence can actually see the predicament 
of the living entities. And as Lord Krishna says here, the perfect yogi, he thus sees the true equality of all beings. Some beings appear in this material world to be situated in happiness. Others appear to be situated in distress. But actually this Sukha Dukkha, as the Lord explains in so many places in the Bhagavad Gita, are just two forms of bondage, two forms of attachment to the unreal. So, when a materialist sees someone who is uh, relative to him in a more happy position, he becomes envious. Why is he up there? Why is he enjoying? Why does he have this beautiful woman by his side? How is it that he can drive such a nice car? He'll criticize. He'll make a philosophy out of this enviousness. How the government should restrict the activities of such wealthy people. Take away their money. Not allow them to display such opulence. But of course if he would <laughs> be able to enter the same position, then his whole philosophy would change. <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> people like me should be allowed to <laughs> do what we like. This is what life is all about after all. And then the same, uh, same person, when he sees someone less fortunate than himself, then he feels, uh, he actually despises those less fortunate people. He looks down upon them. He considers himself superior to them. But this is all illusion because as this verse explains, all living beings are equal hmm? because they're spiritual, spiritual beings, parts and parcels of Krishna, meant only for serving Krishna. But we've fallen down into this illusion and now we distinguish among ourselves high and low, uh, good and evil, happy and uh, unhappy and so on and so forth all on account of illusion, of maya hmm? actually we're only seeing these bodies huh? the situation of these bodies in material nature huh? so even here ultimately there is only equality this is why Lord Krishna told Arjuna earlier that even if you don't believe in the soul what is the good of your lamenting and wanting to change your position because even if you think you're just the body the end of this body for everyone is the same one in so-called happiness one in so-called distress what is the end? it is death of this body old age, disease, death and then as Srila Prabhupada used to say then this body is either put in the ground or it is burned or it is thrown to the dogs thrown to the animals to chew on so this is the end of this body and like they say death and taxes you can't escape <laughs> no one can escape this no matter what so called happy position or 
exalted position he may attain. So the perfect yogi, as Prabhupada explains here so nicely, he understands that the only real happiness is the happiness of knowing Krishna to be the supreme enjoyer. Hmm? Parama Purusha Sukha Matras Sva Sukhatvam This uh, is a statement by Srila Jiva Goswami. Srila Prabhupada quotes in the Srimad Bhagavatam, second canto. So this is a this line expresses the very essence of pure devotional service. That a pure devotee is one whose happiness is Krishna's happiness. He is happy when he sees the happiness of the Supreme Lord. Parama Purusha Sukha. The Sukha, the happiness of the Parama, the Supreme Purusha enjoyer. Parama Purusha Sukha. Matrasva Sukhatvarma. That is his happiness. And as Srila Prabhupada writes here, what is distress? The only distress is forgetfulness of Krishna. So what does that mean? This material world is uh, populated by living entities who have forgotten Krishna. So everybody is in distress only. That so-called happiness, that so-called distress, that duality, it is only distress. Because it is all being experienced against the background of total forgetfulness of Krishna. So, the pure devotee, therefore, as Srila Prabhupada explains here, he's situated in happiness. He remembers, he's remembering Krishna always. Uh, but he's also feeling distress. He's feeling distress of these unfortunate living entities. Because he's seeing, as this verse explains here, the equality of them, the true equality of them with him. Uh, as we see also in the Isopanishad, the same point is explained. Uh, God realization means to see, to actually perceive the two, true equality of all living beings, that they're all spirit soul, all parts of the supreme soul. So he, he actually sees the spiritual identity of these conditioned living entities. And therefore, he feels unhappiness. He feels real unhappiness for them because they have forgotten Krishna. So this has been uh, expressed in a famous verse by Sri Prahlad Maharaj uh, where he says uh, what is that? Naivo Vijay Para Duratyaya Vaitaranyas uh, this means, he's, he's addressing Lord Nishringadev, he's saying, For me, I am not disturbed. Huh? I am not disturbed, my dear Lord, Para, O Supreme Person, being on this side of the Vaitaranya. Vaitaranya means the river which separates the material world from the spiritual world. So I'm on this material side now. I'm in the material world. Huh? He says, Duratya Vaitaranya. 
Huh? It is very difficult <laughs> on this side. Huh? This side is full of so much difficulty, only suffering. But I'm not disturbed, I'm not suffering. And why is that? He says, Tvad Virya Gayana. Huh? Because I'm always engaged in uh, chanting or Srila Prabhupada says in the word-for-word word translation of this verse also in broadcasting, in distributing, propagating I'm always engaged in chanting or in preaching your transcendental glories hmm? so uh, in this way Maha Amrita Magna Chitta in this way my Chitta, my consciousness is immersed in the ocean of nectar Maha Amrita Amrita means nectar, Maha means very great so to be absorbed in remembrance of Krishna to always be chanting Krishna's glories preaching Krishna's glories means that one is absorbed in the transcendental ocean of Krishna consciousness thus distress cannot touch him even though as Prahlad Maharaj says I am right now on this side of the Viraja river but Prahlad Maharaj goes on to stay still Soche Soche Tato Vimukkachetasa Indriyartha Soche means I feel unhappy after having just said my, I'm totally absorbed in an ocean of bliss he goes on to say yet nonetheless I do feel distress Soche Tato Vimukachetasa I feel distress for these people who have lost their minds Vimukachetasa means they have lost their minds why have they lost their minds? Indriyata they have lost their minds to the pursuit of sense objects they think the goal of life is that which is perceived by the material senses and thus they're just like uh, yeah, like crazy animals like uh, you know probably most of you have observed the behavior of cats especially young cats so a cat will, a young cat will sit sit very peacefully and then suddenly its eyes will become big it will see something that nobody else can see <laughs> and it will start to jump and chase and run around and run around in circles and jump up the wall and fall on its back and spin around and run out the room and you hear boom banging into the walls and <laughs> everyone has seen the behavior of young cats so this is Vimukachetasa. This is lost. <laughs> the mind is lost. <laughs> what is that it's chasing? No one knows. <laughs> no one knows. Indriyarta. It is some object of the senses that only this cat can see or imagines or whatever it is. So Prahlad Maharaj is saying uh, these poor conditioned souls they're like that. They're just frantically running in all directions chasing this, chasing that and what is the result? oh he says 
Uh, Prahlad Maharaj says something very profound. This is a verse which Srila Prabhupada, uh, when he would quote this in his lectures, he would, he would impress the meaning into his disciples because Prahlad Maharaj is, is actually describing this very world, this very age that we live in right now. Even though he spoke this verse so long ago. Maya Sukhaya Bhara Udvahatta Vimudha He said they, they uh, by this having lost their mind to the pursuit of sense objects they have become Vimudha they have become very foolish and Maya Sukhaya Bhara Bhara means great burden they are carrying on their backs like beasts a great burden of what? Maya Sukha. Can you figure out what this means? What do you think? No? Maya Sukha. Sukha means what? Pleasure. Pleasure. What it, who knows what Maya means? Everyone knows what Maya means? <laughs> Maya means false, yes. False happiness. This false happiness. And Prabhupada said... <coughs> This false happiness means this, this is a quote, Prabhupada's own phrase, this humbug civilization, this worthless civilization that they have constructed, very complex, uh, so much money being expended at every moment to maintain this uh, cumbersome arrangement. And it, it is pointless, it is useless. Maya Sukha. Everyone thinks that everyone is so convinced that my, uh, by maintaining this vast confusion called civilization that they will become happy. But what is this happiness? There's no happiness. There's only craziness. Just like uh, yesterday when I was in Amsterdam. <laughs> really, I had a real, actually what I thought was an incredible experience. <laughs> a really illuminating experience in the early afternoon I was sitting in the office just sitting doing something and the telephone rang so Nanda Kumar Prabhu had gone to Kroningen to visit a devotee there so normally I wouldn't have even answered the phone but for some reason I picked it up and there was a girl on the telephone actually it was Nanda Kumar's sister I don't know if you know her, his sister. <laughs> so, I see you all know her, alright. <laughs> so, so she asked for Nanda Kumar, and I said, he's not here. And then I said who I was, and then she started to talk to me. So, she said, I am... All I do all day is sit in my room and smoke cigarettes. She said, because my mind is so dirty, so contaminated, I can't do anything else. I can't go outside. I, I can't face this world. So all I can do is sit in my room and smoke cigarettes. What should I do? How can I get out of this? So I was talking to her for a while. And, you know, I, of course, 
I told her the standard things. She could, she should chant Hare Krishna, and she was accepting them. But then at the end, she said, "You know, my brother has been telling me to do these things for ten years." I said, "All right, <laughs> Hare Bo." <laughs> so I was thinking, uh, just see, this is a product of this humbug civilization. This is what it does to people. Then I walked downstairs, and there was. Uh, some, the devotees were down there, some of the devotees, uh, Saraswati Mataji was there, she was doing some cooking. And also standing in the middle of the front room, there was a girl, nine, about 19 years old, she had just, she'd walked in and she was just standing, frozen in one spot. Like, you know, like these mannequins in the store window. She was just standing there. And I said to her, Hare Krishna, and she, you know, completely blank <laughs> and other devotees you know they were doing their service and they were looking at her and they were trying to talk to her but she was just standing frozen and so I was just watching this for a while then I went upstairs I thought this is too much <laughs> I went upstairs this morning Saraswati called me and we were talking about something then I asked her what happened with this girl who was just standing in the floor middle of the floor completely stiff, not moving, not saying anything. And she said, well, yeah, we, well, we were cooking and we served out prasadam. We offered her some prasadam she wouldn't take. So we just took prasadam, we couldn't communicate with her. So she just stood there for a couple hours and then finally she left. So she stood in this one spot for two hours, frozen. So, yeah, maya sukhaya bhara, this is... <laughs> These are illustrations of the statements of Prahlad Maharaj that this humbug civilization has become, it actually is, although it is going on in the name of happiness, it is simply a great burden on people and makes them mad, makes them crazy. But Prahlad Maharaj, he says, I am worried for these people. He says, out of love, out of love for them, I am worried for them. Therefore, I am here in this material world. That's why I am here. I have no other business to be here except because I am in anxiety for these poor people. And he says this is, uh, this is his feeling, of, this is due to his feeling of love. This is very, very important for us to understand. This is our mission. This is our mission in this Krishna Consciousness Movement. You see, it's like this nice book has come out, The Nectar of Book Distribution. So it is based, the, the organization of the book, the structure of the book is based on nectar of devotion. So I was, that made me think how in nectar of devotion, the rasas of devotional service are explained. So similarly, in book distribution, there's also rasa. There are also rasas, different rasas of book distribution. For instance, the lowest rasa, we can call it shanta rasa or neutrality, uh, is a kind of distribution in which a devotee, or he may not even be a devotee, he just may be a beginner, neophyte, someone who's interested in Krishna consciousness, he gives a book to another person 
thinking that this person may like this book so he, he, he gives for free and sometimes uh, they're actually thinking that this is the best way to distribute so you should not ask anything for the book just give it for free because it is spiritual in fact there was one one group one could say subgroup within ISKCON which has now become completely separate from ISKCON but during Prabhupada's time it was a kind of a subset <laughs> within ISKCON their leader was initiated by Prabhupada but many of his followers were kind of you know free thinking hippie types anyway so they had a philosophy of book distribution which we might compare to the to the Shanta Rasa you see they, they, they understood the importance of the books but they were unwilling to really get into the service mood of distributing them just if you see someone who you think might like the book then you give it to them for free and this is and so a few books they were giving out and they were thinking actually they were thinking that this is the real way to distribute books because it doesn't disturb anyone it doesn't look materialistic because there's no exchange of Lakshmi so but we can see that actually there's not much understanding of of the factor of mercy of the element of mercy of the anxiety of the pure devotee to distribute this knowledge because he can see that all living entities are parts and parcels of Krishna are spirit soul and they should all receive Prabhupada's books somehow or other so then higher than this sort of Shanta approach is a service attitude to actually out of, out of service, out of duty to go forward and distribute the books but it just may be duty hmm? so sometimes that after a while the devotee thinks it's, it's a little bit dry, repetitious, mechanical he, he may lose his taste but even higher than that which is very nice to go on book distribution as a duty higher than that is yes is actually then we come to the point of friendship of actually starting to see the equality this true equality of all living entities that they are just like me I actually Mani Dar Prabhu who is in uh, the president in Stockholm but for many many years he was a full-time my god brother full-time distributor in Germany so when I first came to Germany he used to talk a lot with me he used to come after, after a week of Sankirtan and talk to me for sometimes hours <laughs> about his experience on the street and he said one thing that impressed me very much he said that actually he said I see these people on the street he said I'm the same as them he said I see that they're crazy well I'm also crazy he said, but the di only difference is, is I've got Prabhupada I've got Prabhupada Prabhupada has given me this mission uh, this duty which I've accepted and by doing it then I see 
I'm able to see how they are just like me. You see? I am just like them. There's no difference. But I've got Prabhupada. I'm serving Prabhupada. So somehow I try to connect them because I, I can see myself that I'm crazy, I'm fallen, I'm a fool, I'm a nonsense. They're no better. I'm no, they're no better than me. I'm no better than them. But somehow I have this service for Prabhupada. And my service is to engage them in serving Prabhupada by taking Prabhupada's books. So I very much appreciated this because this is that coming in that, that friendly mood actually this, this realization that Prahlad Maharaj is expressing that out of love for them out of anxiety for them out of a true feeling for them I am staying here in the material world and I am broadcasting the glories of the Lord to everyone so yes this is this is our mission transcendental personalism hmm? Our philosophy, that is our philosophy, that we are persons, spiritual persons. We have spiritual senses, spiritual mind, we have spiritual activities. And that is actually fully realized uh, in this activity of book distribution. Book distribution allows us to step outside to, or to jump outside of the material persona to manifest our spiritual identity huh? through service to the spiritual master and the mission of book distribution accepted book distribution first as a duty and then from the duty comes the actual feeling of love the natural feeling of love understanding that I'm a person, they're persons but my good fortune is that by the grace of the spiritual master I have my true personal activity in the form of book distribution and they don't so let me awaken them by this very process of book distribution let me touch their hearts and awaken them from their sleep from their darkness so the body becomes like a bright a brilliant beacon a brilliant light on the street shining forth you see just by his it's a fact <laughs> devotees are effulgent that effulgence is the effulgence of the spiritual persona shining through the devotee when he's engaged in his service of preaching his eyes are alight with glory his smile is very uh, beautiful to see very attractive he's glowing and people who who actually are uh, distressed by this burden who actually who actually have enough sense to know that they're being pushed down into the mud they're they're attracted they think who is this person why is he so happy and so they come out of, like blinking out of the darkness <laughs> what have you got there <laughs> what is it that makes you so happy and the book distributor hands them Srila Prabhupada's book. Here it is. This is the secret to everything. This is the secret to finding out who you really are. Take it. Huh? So this is, this is wonderful. And these people out there, they're crying for this. 
They're crying for this. They're being crushed. Uh, their personality is being... Because in this human form of life, the personality manifests. And I mean the spiritual personality. Srila Prabhupada says the human form of life is the beginning of Krishna consciousness. Uh, because we receive this person, this body of a person. Human being means a personal body. And thus the consciousness fills out this body. So it is the beginning of personal existence. But under this hellish civilization, that personality is being squeezed out, crushed out by sense gratification, by so-called sensual pleasures, illicit sex, intoxication and so on. It's like a great foot coming down on the back and pressing one down, pressing one heavier and heavier and all the essence is just flowing out and being soaked up by the earth until one is completely flat and can't move anymore. This is the, this is the literal meaning of what Pallad Maharaj is saying. Maya Sukhaya Bhada in the name of sense pleasure they're being crushed. Their personality, their fi finer sentiments uh, their intelligence, their thoughtfulness, all that is good that comes with this human birth is being crushed out day by day. So this is our mission, to save these people, to help them. And by helping them, we help ourselves. Because after all, we're, we're born into the same Maya Sukhaya civilization. As I was explaining in the initiation lecture, the Brahminical activities are six. Patan Patan, Yajan Yajan, Dana, Pratigraha. So one should be learned and one should teach. One should perform sacrifice and one should engage others in sacrifice. And one should uh, receive and one should give. These are Brahminical activities. Now there, in Vedic culture, these six activities, they have their, their classical form, we could say. We could use the word classical, traditional, traditional Brahminical form. Brahmanas have a very uh, stylized way of executing these six-fold duties. Now, for us born in hell, <laughs> in the West, this hellish culture, our, our karma is not very conducive. You see, we, we, we really don't have such an opportunity to engage very nicely, very expertly in those traditional stylized Brahminical activities. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada, because Vaishnava, service to Krishna, devotional service to Krishna is even beyond Brahminism. So Srila Prabhupada has established this book distribution as a way by which we who are so fallen by our karma can actually engage in true Brahminical activities by serving Krishna by studying Srila Prabhupada's books by becoming learned in Srila Prabhupada's books Srila Prabhupada is our Vyasadev his books are our Veda so to preach to perform the Sankirtan mission one must study Srila Prabhupada's books <laughs> one this Nice bhakta came to me today and he was asking me, 
because he has difficulty distributing uh, the, the books that he's been given to distribute because he doesn't know what's in them. So he doesn't know what to say. So that's a very good point. If you're selling a book called Life Comes From Life but you haven't read it, someone will say, well, that's a very interesting title. What's it about? Oh, well, <laughs> not very convincing. <laughs> so we have to know. We have to study Srila Prabhupada's books. And then having studied, we teach. So, all right, many of us are not so scholarly to be able to give perhaps a very learned lecture, that type of presentation as Brahmanas do. But Srila Prabhupada has, has facilitated us so nicely by giving us his books in which all the knowledge is contained and ordering us to go out on the street and sell them. To go out as salesmen. So that we know how to do. We <laughs> We sort of have that karma <laughs> because that's what this Western civilization is all about. Buying and selling and advertising and you know they they call it the sound bite. It's called a sound bite. It means you say something in just a few words that grabs everyone's attention. This is how sales are made. Just a few words, you see, with enthusiasm, with real what they call pizzazz, real flair. And people, their, their minds are captured. Oh, and what is that you've got? Oh, very nice. All right, I'll buy it. You know, when you go downtown, you see these along the streets, they're selling different things. They're, they've got some spiel that they're making to draw people's attention to Maya. So that, that ability we have. So Srila Prabhupada is so merciful to us because he's given us a means by which we can engage this type of ability in transmitting this transcendental knowledge, his books. So, patan patan. Become learned and preach. Read Prabhupada's books and go out and distribute them. Yajan yajan. Perform sacrifice and engage others in sacrifice. Yes, this is sacrifice. This is the Sankirtan Jagya. Huh? So, the devotee goes out, he is practicing the Sankirtan Jagya and he's engaging others everyone he meets in that jagya. Huh? And dana pratigraha. He is accepting, he's taking, he's taking charity in the form of uh, Lakshmi, the karma, the accumulated karma, in the form of money, he's accepting and he's giving Srila Prabhupada's book. So this is wonderful how this book distribution <coughs> facilitates Real Brahminical activity, because real Brahminical activity means service to Lord Vishnu, to Lord Krishna. This is real, the sixfold Brahminical activities are all fulfilled in book distribution. So in this way, uh, even though we're so fallen or so disqualified uh, by Srila Prabhupada's mercy, we all have this, this opportunity is open to us all to engage in genuine transcendental activity, transcendental personal activity, personal service to the Supreme Lord. So the motivating factor, as we hear from Sri Prahlad Maharaj, we hear from this verse, should be love. And this love comes from realization. 
from realizing who we are and who they are. And all this is realized through Krishna consciousness. Krishna is the supreme person, we are his parts and parcels. A very simple point. Srila Prabhupada said, we're all samples of God. So, by hearing about Krishna, by chanting Krishna's glories and preaching about Krishna to others, the meaning of personality becomes more and more established in our hearts. And that means also we can understand what we are. We are persons. Krishna, He's the Supreme Person. We are His parts and parts, and all living entities. And the function, the natural functional relationship of devotional service to the Lord, this becomes established in the heart. So, these are some thoughts to consider now, because we are approaching that season called Christmas, Srila Prabhupada's Christmas Marathon. So, we wonder sometimes why there are some devotees who <coughs> year after year are able to distribute books, even, even though their health, their physical health may not be so strong. But year after year, hmm? They press on with the mission of book distribution. And other devotees, they try it, but they can't stick with it. So this question comes up. Why is that? So, this book distribution, it's actually the fruit. It's the real fruit of our philosophy. When you really think about it. Because it is, the, it is the activity that really allows the devotee to manifest his spiritual personality. He goes among the karmis. He's surrounded on all sides by karmis who are engaged in sense gratification. But because of this activity, instead of them influencing him, he influences them. This is most wonderful. It's not something to be taken for granted. That means this devotee has actually risen above the modes of material nature under all circumstances. He's in the most difficult circumstance. He's not on the altar with Krishna. You see? He's not in the temple. He's not even... He's not even, you know, dressed as a sannyasi lecturing a hall full of people as their teacher. This is also a kind of formal position. But he's right in the midst of hell. He's right out there in the street with a butcher shop and a sex shop and the cinema and the, the record shop and the nonsense shop and this and that. All <laughs> terrible things going on all around him. <laughs> and there's all kinds of crazy people running by talking to one another <laughs> their consciousness you know splayed out in all directions 
But because he has realization. He, he's absorbed in the philosophy. The philosophy of book distribution. Which means, it, it is actually the siddhanta of all of, all of what we're doing. He's actually realized the philosophy. Like Prahlad Maharaj. Right? Prahlad Maharaj was also in the midst of hell. In the midst of demoniac environment. He was not affected. Like the lotus upon the water, not moistened at all. Floating above all the chaos and insanity and simply preaching Bhagavad Dharma. So, anyway, but I, I think in this marathon, if all of you can, this wonderful book has come out, Nectar of Book Distribution. I think by reading it, studying it carefully, and meditating on the points within, then as book distributors, you can... Uh, while you're engaged in the service, you can better appreciate the transcendental meaning of this activity. Problem comes when we, uh, when our minds are not fixed in this transcendental personalism. You see? When we fall down to the platform again, the dualistic platform, hankering, lamentation. This is the platform of the mind, dualistic platform. I'm here, I'm here in this condition, I'm not happy. If I was somewhere else, I would be happy. You see, then Maya can sweep us away very quickly. Are there any questions? And why do they? Why do they? They're not acting uh, when they see uh, movie stars and rock stars who are much more wealthy and supposedly happy and uh, in a higher position. But they instead they more or less worship them. They spend so much money to go to their concerts and, and uh, you know pay so much money to see them and, and buying their things. It's like they're doing. If they wanted, if they were really envious and they wanted to push them down, they, they wouldn't go see their concerts, they wouldn't buy their records. Well, some, you know, the thing is, is that they worship those who, who give them pleasure. Many of, many persons in superior positions don't give them pleasure, so they envy them. Those who do give them pleasure, they worship for as long as they give them pleasure. And as soon as that runs out, then they drop them. So everything is based on sense gratification. Ultimately, sense gratification, it means enviousness of the Supreme Lord. Sense gratification is itself an expression, the expression of enviousness. So even though it's, you know, like, like when man and woman come together, they, superficially they come together as a means of enjoying one another's company. But actually underneath all that, they're just pulling one another down. That's really what's at the bottom of it. They want to make sure each other are 
completely bound up in the worst kind of illusion. When one sees the other is trying to break free of it, he immediately, they immediately get into great anxiety. What, you're trying to escape? Come back here. Be in Maya with me. See? There's a deep-rooted enviousness which goes right to the soul. That Prahlad Nanamaraj was saying this morning, misery loves company. This is a conspiracy of the material world. It's a conspiracy of suffering. It's all based on envy. You can't, you can't get free. This is why they don't like the devotees. Huh? Why are you so happy? As soon as they see a devotee, they see his face is, is bright, they see his eyes are clear. They don't see any sign of lust or misery in his face. Immediately they become very suspicious. <laughs> what? <laughs> are you escaping? <laughs> You rascal. <laughs> yes? You also explained that even though we are not very great, that if we identify, for example, with football, which was winning, they won the, the year of competition, they then practically think, I am also the winner because I, so I, can't, I identify myself with this, this great person. So. I want this competition because I was Yeah, yeah. It's it's like demigod worship also. Uh, it's not it's not bhakti. It's not devotion. It's just business. They worship. They glorify. They identify with the demigod or with the star, whatever it is. As I said, by the principle of pleasure, selfish pleasure. And as soon as they've gotten that what they want, then there's no interest. Yes? I've got a friend who is vegetarian. His uh, favorite animal is a cow. He wants to travel to Nepal, India, uh, and he hates society. But he doesn't want to become Krishna conscious because he saw what happened to me. But I left everything behind me. And he has got the both uh, three books on the, on the street. And he doesn't want to read them because he doesn't like uh, the, the indoctrination and sect. So he's half a Krishna conscious, but how should I get him to read these books? Well, he's bought the books. So the books will act on his consciousness in their own way. I have a god brother who. Uh, used to he was he was he went to New York when he was 16 years old that was in 1966 and he was playing in a rock band and uh, he was he was living uh, just down the street from the matchless gifts temple so when he was 16 years old he had real long scraggly hair he used to go play his guitar somewhere and come back with his friends and they'd walk right in front of the temple and they'd look inside and they would see the devotees chanting Hare Krishna and they'd look and then they'd look at each other and go woo and run <laughs> and go running back to their place <laughs> so so once he uh, he went with a friend to, up to New Hampshire that's up uh, north 
and uh, they went into a cabin out in the woods <coughs> and they, were, they just went there with a whole bunch of drugs <laughs> and their intention was to lock themselves up for some days and just take drugs so it so happened that there was while they were there this was uh, during the cold season it, there suddenly was a, a snowstorm so overnight one meter of snow fell and covered everything so they were taking drugs and snowed in like that and then this friend of mine this god brother of mine he uh, had some kind of attack some kind of reaction from the drugs so he couldn't he couldn't breathe anymore he couldn't he couldn't naturally breathe and he had to force himself to breathe his his respiratory nerves weren't functioning properly so he couldn't breathe naturally so he was just laying on the bed and he was completely in fright he was you know high and he was <laughs> afraid of dying at the same time he had to consciously will his next breath and he could only breathe a little bit because it wasn't working properly so his friend also became very afraid and said well I'll have to get some help I'll have to get a doctor here so his friend went out into the snow closed the door he was all alone in this cabin and he was laying there and looking up at the ceiling and trying, trying he couldn't he didn't dare sleep because as soon as he w would fall asleep he would die so as he was laying there he noticed above his head there was a bookshelf and there were different books and then he noticed one blue book the old blue Macmillan edition of Bhagavad Gita as it is so then he with shaking hands <laughs> he reached up and took it and opened it up and began to read and by the time help came back he'd already read the whole book and so the doctor came and fixed him up he could breathe normally again so as soon as he could walk he left that cabin he got on the first bu bus to New York he went to the temple and he surrendered <laughs> he just walked right in the devotees were so shocked at this tall skinny crazy fellow <laughs> with long hair who didn't know anything except that he had read Bhagavad Gita once so these books have their own way of forcing themselves into the lives of persons like your friend who are half Krishna conscious and half idiots <laughs> I also heard this story yesterday too there's one lady who's joining in Amsterdam she told a story like that, that something like that that she was very skeptical of ISKCON as a sect and so on and so forth but she was vegetarian already from her interest in Buddhism and she got books but she wasn't really so interested to read them but that suddenly she got arrested in Amsterdam and thrown into jail and she happened to have Prabhupada's books with her and there she was forced to read them and they let her out of jail and now you know she's come to the temple and she's waiting for her trial so she may have to go back to jail for a few more months but 
She just wants to become a devotee now. So Srila Prabhupada is still the best, you know, he's still the preacher. <laughs> he's still preaching, he's still making. All the good devotees, you know, all those who join our movement, I've seen all around the world who are good devotees. They were all preached to by Prabhupada in the form of his books. Any other questions? Yes? In this purport? The yogi who has withdrawn to a secluded place in order to meditate perfectly may not be as perfect as a devotee. So you're raising question that there may be he might be as good? Sometimes pure devotees uh, they take up bhajan near jan bhajan isolated devotional service to Krishna so they're yogis bhakti yogis so they may be completely Krishna conscious <laughs> anything else? Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai